Come Follow Him podcast. This podcast is created by the Boise Nampa Institute of Religion for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Here, we hope to help young adults find relevant principles each week as they study the assigned Come Follow Me scripture block as outlined by the church. This episode is simply two institute teachers talking about what they see in the scriptures that might be relevant to your life. It is not intended to speak for the church or to definitively define doctrines or policies. Any opinions shared here are just that, our opinions, as we have learned to come follow Him. I'm your host, Matt Swenson. Let's jump in. Welcome back. It's good to be with you again this week. Um, I'm super excited today. We have uh, two guests with us. We usually do this with one faculty member here at the Institute, um, but we are blessed beyond measure today to have two of our finest sisters with us, uh, Sister Janet Erickson and Sister Barb Valencia. Welcome. Hello, thank you. Hi. It's good to have you. <laughs> thank it's you. good to have you. We're, uh, we're so excited to have you. Um, this is our office staff here at the Institute, uh, these two fine sisters. And, and uh, though they may not be instructors here, I think that you probably instruct much more than maybe even we do. Um, with how many uh, students you work with and, and help uh, from day to day. So from all of us here at the Institute, just thank you for all that you provide and offer down in the office for us here. Goodness, thank you. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> these two sisters are a little nervous about going at this. <laughs> we and, aren't. Uh, but uh, but uh. I'm excited to, to have uh, you share with us uh, this week's information about Daniel. Um, but before we do that, um, tell us a little bit about you. Sister Erickson, let's start with you. Um, how uh, how have you been at the institute? How's it? Tell us about you a little bit. Husband, okay. kids, you know, whatever. Okay. Well, I am less than a year, almost to my year mark, yeah. of working here That's at right. the Boise Institute, and it has been so much fun. I've I've enjoyed this job a lot more than I ever thought I would. Really? Which kind of sounds funny, but it, it <laughs> is really it because has I work fun. here? It's because you work. <laughs> yeah, yes. Thought, yes. Thought so. yes. You make it bearable. Yeah. <laughs> No, it has been a lot of fun, and I have gained so much through. What What's different? What have, What than you thought? What's different than you thought it would be? I think one of the biggest things is how much ugh, how much I've grown to love the kids. Yeah, and they don't like me to call them kids, but they are about my kids' age, so <laughs> yeah. I get to do that. But just, it's so much fun to get to know each of them and. Yeah. Um, have them come to me and tell me about their dates and and ask me about there's there was one that today that actually two today that came to me and said hey who do you know that i could go out on a date with right. so <laughs> it's kind of fun to play that matchmaker at yeah. times but then I've, I've had some that have also come to me you know with some of their problems yeah. and i love to be able to try to help fill some of their answers yeah very cool so, so more than that. just an office job, right? It's more than just an office job. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I also get to cook tacos. So. Yeah. That's <laughs> I get right. my Tuesday Every taco Tuesday. facial. That's right. <laughs> well, tell us a little bit about your family. Um, I've born and raised in Boise, graduated from Bora High School. Um, I have three sons and one daughter. My daughter, Brooklyn, is currently serving a mission right now in El Salvador. Mm -hmm. Be still my heart. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I love my kids. We have so much fun together. Yeah. Um, my husband is Mr. Triathlon, do everything. Yeah. I try to keep up with him, but I've learned that it's impossible. Yeah. We, we <laughs> love to go um, adventuring, boating, biking. Um, we love to go hiking. Yeah. We love to be pretty active. So. Great family. Great family. I grew Thank up with you. the Erickson uh, kids when I was younger, and, and your husband was amongst them. And, just good uh, salt of the earth people. So thank you. It's uh, it's good to have you here with us, uh, Sister Valencia. Tell us about you. How long have you been here, and ah. what's your favorite part of it, and all that stuff. I have been here since 2015, so it was seven years, mm -hmm. and it has been such a blessing in my life. Mm -hmm. um, divine intervention got me here. Heavenly Father was just really, really looking out for me, mm -hmm. and best thing is the kids. Yeah. Um, they're they, similar to Janet, just they um, take a hold of your heart and yeah. you think about them and you pray for them yeah. and just um, care deeply. They're in such um, time of their life that the choices they make now are huge. Yeah. Yeah, and you just hope and pray they'll just make good choices and we love them. Yeah. Just love them. 
Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm amazed you guys get anything done down there with as many students yeah. as you have passing by and sitting right next to you in your office. And, yeah. Some days we and don't. Talking. <laughs> but that's it's okay. Great. It's a great yeah. thing. Uh, yeah. Tell us about your family. My family. I have six awesome mm -hmm. kids, um, five girls and one boy. Mm -hmm. And um, I have eight grandbabies. Oh, that they're my, I call them my grand joys because <laughs> they are. They bring so much joy um, to my life. That's fun. Yeah. That's yeah, fun. and okay. I just, um, I'm single, yeah. and I have been a part of the CES system for years, yeah. and um, just love the people here, and just, I'm so blessed. <laughs> well, you are loved, you are both loved, and, and we're grateful for everything you do for us, and for the students here, and, and just uh, really blessed to have you involved. Um, well, good. It's good to know you. Good to have you. <laughs> uh, I'm excited today, um, and, and this is just going to be what it is. We'll get through what we get through, and our hope today is to just find some relevant things in the Come Follow Me block uh, in the book of Daniel. Uh, this week we're covering chapters 1 through 6 uh, in Come Follow Me, and uh, so we'll give a, a little bit of context here maybe, just that uh, Daniel uh, is one that got taken away captive into Babylon, uh, there were some that were left in Jerusalem, and there were some that were taken out. Um, and Daniel and his family would have been taken uh, north. And somehow, um, he found favor um, with the king of Babylon in his area. And the, and the uh, king had just great things to say about him, eventually, um, because of some of the ways that he uh, set himself apart early on. And so uh, that's kind of where Daniel picks up. So jump us in. Where would you take us? What at the beginning of Daniel? And, and I'm just going to let you guys duke it out as to who gets to start. And, <laughs> and, uh, where, would you, where would you point us to start? Well, you're talking about how he found favor in Daniel. And I think Daniel was, it was his righteousness. And I don't know that the king realized that sure. for such a long time, that it was his righteousness that, that brought his attention to him. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I think that um, that is something throughout this entire story with the, through the chapters one through six that, that kind of sticks out to me that it was Daniel's overall righteousness. Yeah. And it, it just seems like it took a long time for the king to understand why, Figure it what out. was behind that righteousness. Yeah, yeah. yeah we, we jump in in Jan Daniel chapter one um, where he's having this uh, interaction with Ashpenaz, uh, who is the master of the eunuchs. Um, the Ashpenaz try, goes in and changes their names, mm -hmm. right? Changes him and, and uh, three others' names um, to something that's a little more Babylonian-ish, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, and, and hard uh, to pronounce. Yeah, they, they are. <laughs> um, yeah. But that's really what's going on in the first part of this. But then we get to what you were just talking about, the, the countenance of... Daniel was seen differently because of his choices. Well, and just with the um, the the food, the yeah. the provisions that they were given to eat, the king's meat, and um, the things that they provided for them, but Daniel and his companions um, didn't want to do that because, yeah, you know, I don't know all the reasons behind it, but they they knew that they were. Um, it's kind of like the word of wisdom. Yeah. Um, that they weren't to partake of those things. Yeah. I think they made a commitment too. Mm -hmm. uh, Daniel made a, a covenant that he wasn't going to partake yeah. of, right. of the wine and the, the meat. Mm -hmm. And one thing that I really love about this point in the, in the story is that his three brethren back him up. They support yeah. him. They have, yeah. the, they have one another's support. And yeah. I think that that is so huge when we think of our own lives and we think of the young adults, if we can put ourselves amongst people that have our same values and will back us up and mm -hmm. support us yeah. through those things, I think that's yeah, very that, important. Man, that covenant they made was, was a big deal, right? It, it really would have been just living the law of Moses at the time, mm -hmm. yeah. um, not to drink wine and not to partake of you know, certain <laughs> things based on, on the laws of Moses and, and what they were supposed to be doing there, but they were firm in that, weren't yeah. they? Yeah, they were. I like in verse 8, it says, But Daniel purposed in his heart mm. that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which um, he drank. And that purposed, 
um, in his heart. That was just, he was holding true to the values and the teachings and the covenant that he had made, mm -hmm. and very intentional and, and knowing what he was to do and, and held true to it. Yeah, and you know, it's interesting because the whole purpose of them being where they were was um, the king had said, bring in um, these, well, it's verse 3, he says uh, that he should bring in certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed, and there's a cross-reference on, on the word seed there that takes us to understand that this, these would have been his chief officers. But really, it was bring these people together, these smart people, mm -hmm. um, well-favored and skillful in all wisdom. This is verse 4. Cunning in knowledge and understanding in science, um, as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace. So these were the, the greatest mm -hmm. children of the Israelites, right? Yeah. But the first thing that he does, and, and it'll, it'll circle back to what we've been talking about. The first thing that he does is, in that name change, he changes these names that currently mean things associated with our God. Mm -hmm. Like Daniel, for example, uh, is, it means a judge is God, right? Um, we've got uh, Hananiah, Yahweh is gracious, right? All four of their names mean something. Uh, Mishael, uh, who is God equal to, right? I mean, mm -hmm. so they're very specific to our God. Uh, Azariah, Yahweh has helped. And then, when the names are changed, the changes are horrible names. Uh, uh, David became Belteshazzar, which means protect the king. Oh, mm -hmm. Has nothing to do with God, right? Very Hananiah specific. became Shadrach, which means command of Aku. Aku was a false god, oh, wow. right? Uh, Mishael became uh, Meshach, which means guest of the king. Right, so so mm, these it's names, all about the king. Yeah. yeah, they just turn them. Yeah. They turn them into Babylonian leaders. Is really what they're trying mm -hmm. to do. Let me just give you the last one. Azariah becomes Abednego, which means servants of Nebo, and Nebo was the false god of writing wisdom. Wow. So it's interesting because the the titles that they're given um, almost make them have to live a different lifestyle. Right. Yeah. And, and circling back to what you, you both were talking about, that, that the covenant that they made, they were true to themselves and they were true to God, mm -hmm. not that whatever title was put on them, right. not whatever thing the world wanted to label them as, and then that they had other people with them, that right. they had other people supporting them in that. Wow, what a powerful message. And I, and I love, too, that, that you have to know that they made this decision well before they were standing in front mm -hmm. of this offering of the meat and the wine. Yeah. They made mm -hmm. that decision a long time ago yeah. that they weren't going to drink the wine and they weren't going to partake of those meats and yeah. that food from the king. And I, I feel like that is important and relevant in, yeah. in our time right yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. If sure. we make those decisions ahead of time, that it will be easier. It, yeah, it's so a lot easier. When, that, when we're faced face to face with right, those. Yeah. Right. These young men remind me so much of the stripling warriors mm -hmm. that they mm -hmm. did observe to obey every word with exactness. Yeah. Even when they were away from their teachings mm -hmm. and away from their mamas who yep. may have taught them or right. their, their dads, but it was, they remembered yeah. and they, they obeyed with exactness. And, and I love that parallel with, with the stripling warriors. Yeah, that's a really beautiful visual too. You know, I don't know that in our day we have anything that uh, other than maybe the Holocaust, where people were torn from their homes and yeah. taken captive somewhere else, um, maybe in in uh, you know modern day uh, Ukraine with with the war with Russia going on, there's some of that, but but not to the extent that we had with uh, yeah. the Holocaust. And and this would have been a very similar experience where these people would have been taken out of Jerusalem, torn from their homes, mm -hmm. taken captive somewhere else. Mm -hmm. So as as nice as it is that they're finding favor. They're really not where they want to be. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they feel captive and they feel bound by a, a, a lot of different things there. It's just really interesting. He, he, the, the story is that he, uh, David tells the prince of the eunuchs, uh, he says, I don't want to eat this food. Um, and the prince of the eunuchs is a little afraid. Yeah. Right? He's, he's like, no, oh, the, the king said you should eat this. Yeah, yeah. I think he's or fearing the king's yeah. response yeah. probably more than anything. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, he says, why should, this is in verse 10, why should he see your faces worse liking than the children 
which are of your sort. He's going to see you, and you're going to be like, not doing well. Right, yeah. And then he says, um, then shall ye make me in danger, mm -hmm. my head to the king. Yeah, yeah. Then Daniel says, prove thy servants, I beseech thee ten days, and let them give us pulse to eat, water to drink. Then look at our countenance, mm -hmm. right? Then look at us and see how we... Yeah, let us prove, play. let us prove ourselves. And, and, it, and it worked, right? Mm -hmm. It worked. It did. Yeah, very good. And I think through that, through him, by Daniel speaking up and saying, let us, I beseech thee, let us, let us prove ourselves. Mm -hmm. I think that gained favor from Melzar. Yeah, the, the, the prince of the eunuchs, yeah. Yes. Yeah. That, hey, yes, they're, they're right. I learned, he, lear he learned something from it too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, they, and uh, he gained, they gained favor from him. Well, and, and maybe their whole purpose is to show that God is God. Right. right. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Oh, watch what's Definitely. going on. Yes. Yeah. Right. And I think we'll see that. We obviously see that Yeah. further mm -hmm. on down the story. Yeah, for sure. Well, great. Anything else in chapter one here? Um, um, just that they did the 10 days and they did look, um, verse 15, and at the end of the 10 days, their accountants appeared fairer and fatter in flesh than the children that did not eat the portion of the king's meat. Um, and then in 17, I love... Um, as for these four children, God gave them knowledge and skill in all the learning and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all the visions and dream dreams. And I, I can't help but think about the word of wisdom and the yeah. hidden treasures of knowledge that yeah. by him adhering to um, that code of health and, mm -hmm. and obedience to that, that hidden treasures were unlocked. Yeah. For him, right? Yeah, I liked it. I'm glad you brought that verse up because I think if he would have succumbed, I don't think he would have been able to fulfill the interpretation oh. of the dreams. I don't think yeah. that would have happened. Yeah. I don't think and, so um, His mind wouldn't have been clear. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, and 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 his righteousness proved to God, I'm I'm willing to get more. Yeah. I'm willing to be taught more, right? Yeah, sure. And and really, it, that's why we're obedient, right? It's not because of something that um, that may be wrong with coffee or something that may be wrong right. with eating too much meat, right? How it affects our bodies probably is part of that. Mm -hmm. But God hasn't ever said why. He doesn't come down and, and say, don't drink coffee because. Mm -hmm, it right. has a lot of tannic acid and it's bad for your stomach, what, right? Yeah. We come up with all the, all the reasons why. Mm -hmm. But really, God says, just don't do this thing I'm asking you not to do. And if you don't do that, then I'll bless you. Mm -hmm. That's it. There's no yeah. like, there's no because given yeah. in most commandments, right? That's interesting. I hadn't thought about that principle, but um, I once heard a story of a little lady that went to get her temple recommend and she answered all the questions and the bishop asked, um, do you obey the word of wisdom? And she said, well, you know, I kind of am fond of my coffee. Right. <laughs> and she says, you don't think that a cup of coffee will keep me out of the out of heaven do you bishop and he says no but disobedience might yeah. <laughs> you know and yeah. just that principle that yeah. we don't know the why's or whatever but just the conviction to the principles yeah, that's, i think that's so important in our day right that that when a prophet says something how frequently do we want a reason for it yeah. um the elder president oaks uh, shared that in less than one in a hundred cases does the lord ever give a reason for revelation and being Elder Oaks, I'm sure that he, the, the lawyer in him, the judge in him, has probably done that research to find mm -hmm. how many cases yes. he gave, yeah. right? And if the Lord doesn't ever give us reasons, or very infrequently, maybe it really is about faith. Maybe it really is about... Well, and not mm -hmm. always do those reasons come right at the beginning. Exactly. I, one of my favorite examples of this is the proclamation of the family. Yeah. I mean, is it, was it 20, 25 oh, years ago yes. that that 30 was? 30 maybe now, yeah. Oh, gosh, it's 85. I'm getting old. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, when that first came out and they're reading that and we study that, I'm sure all of us thought, well, duh, duh. to all of it. <laughs> yeah. But now look at the world we live in and yeah. how misconstrued found the family is. Yeah. So, yeah. so those wise often come later. Yeah, if yeah. he had given us the why then, mm -hmm. we'd have been like, yeah, okay, that doesn't make any sense right, <laughs> right now. Right, right, right. But um, Sister Valencia, you took us to the Word of Wisdom and my brain went there. It had gone there already. Um, and I just love the very last verse in section 89. It says, mm -hmm. I, the Lord, give unto them a promise that the destroying angels shall pass by them as the children of Israel and not slay them. And we know that the the destroying angel and the, the, the whole story of the Israelites, right, is a, 
a type of just life on earth and the next life, right? How, mm -hmm. how if you are obedient to the commandments, um, then the destroying angel won't take you out, right? right? And, and I think that's just really what, what Daniel's and his friends here are proving, that by being obedient, they are given a lot. Uh, they're given a lot of knowledge and a lot mm -hmm. of wisdom, spiritual wisdom and knowledge comes to them because of it. So, wonderful. Anything else in chapter one here? Well, just at the very end, the king then communes with them. He mm -hmm. sits with them and he finds that there's none like those four. Yeah, pretty crazy, right? Yeah. Those mm -hmm. four that weren't yeah. doing all the things the king wanted. Right, right. <laughs> Go figure. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. and he talks about the magicians and the astrologers and yeah. and all that. So Better than all of them. Right, right. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So then we're in chapter two. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. King of uh, Babylon has a dream. Um, one of you want to describe kind of what the dream was, what he saw, what he... Well, he saw a stone come yeah. from the mountain without hands. Yeah. Nobody carved it out. Nobody right. carved it out. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah that, that stone comes down and it destroys this massive character mm -hmm. um, that's made of, of all these different parts and pieces, um, different types of metals, um, maybe. Mm -hmm. um, and, and maybe just a quick summary of that, that dream. The, he sees those that being made with you know, a, a different parts as a head and different mm -hmm. parts as a, arms and body and legs and legs. You know, feet and, and whatnot. And, that, and those really represent the different uh, kingdoms that will come. Right. And that, that stone comes in and destroys that. Yeah, that just that little there. stone. And I, I love um, one of my favorite quotes from President Hinckley about the little things. I don't yeah. know if you've heard it. I brought it. Share it, please. But just about, you know, a stone being able to roll and just wipe out this big image. Mm. Um, President Hinckley, he said in 1984, and I remember when he said this, um, he said, I should like to emphasize the importance of watching the little things in our lives. Have you ever noticed a large gate in a farm fence? As you open or close it, it appears to be very little movement at the hinge, but there is great movement at the perimeter. Mm. And I've opened many mm. a barnyard gate, so I get, I yeah. love this. Anyway, he says, speaking to the prophet Joseph Smith in 1831, the Lord said, out of small things proceedeth that which is great. Um, it is so with good or evil, my brothers and sisters, small kind acts grow into mammoth good institutions. It is so likewise with evil things, small acts of dishonesty, acts of immoral nature, small outbursts of anger can grow into great and terrible things. Mm. But just um, the power of the little things yeah. and um, just likening that to Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and in, we used to say, Abednego. Into bed to coke. Into bed to I used to say that to my kids. <laughs> into bed to Shadrach, Meshach, and into bed to like Anyway, like but just the small things in their lives yeah. that they paid attention to and that they um, were true to brought about great things. And just like this stone cut without hands, small stone um, rolled in to fill the earth, yeah. um, representing the church, the gospel. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and, and that small thing maybe having just been that they were eating the right things. Right. Right, maybe that was enough. Because by the time we get into the beginning of chapter 2, Nebuchadnezzar has his dream, and then he calls all of his wise men in, right? And he right. says, tell me about my dream. And they're like, well, tell us your dream, right? He said, then verse 7, they, they answered again and said, let the king tell his servants the dream, and we will shew the interpretation of it. So you tell us the dream, we'll interpret it for you. <laughs> right. And the king's like, Man. no, uh-uh, I'm not telling you my dream. If you're wise, if you're really who you say you are, you're going to just tell me my dream, and then you can interpret it. I think it's crazy, too, that he, I mean, it says so much of his level of trust for them. Right. That he's like, I'm not going to tell you. Yeah. yeah. But yet he, you know, one point, somewhere along the way, he, he brings these in because he thinks these people, the astrologers and everybody, because he thinks they're so mighty. Yeah. But yet when it comes to this dream, he's like, well, I'm not telling yeah, you. Yeah, something that maybe matters a lot to him. Yeah. Well, yeah. isn't that it maybe the world, the world we live in too, right? Uh -huh. we, we put so much trust in, mm -hmm. in the, the politicians and the scientists and the, right? But when it really comes down to me and my health or me and my situation and mm -hmm. circumstance, I don't know that I trust them very much. Right. But I want yeah. them to prove to me that they're connected to God in some way mm -hmm. and receiving some revelation before I'm really letting them change my world very much. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, it's interesting, he says in verse 9, If ye will not make known unto me the dream, there is but one decree for you. For ye have prepared lying and corrupt words to speak before me till the time be changed. Therefore tell me the dream, and I'll show, I shall know that ye can shew me the interpretation thereof. 
So he's like, I'm not going to trust your interpretation unless you can tell me what the dream is, right? Yeah, right. So he's calling him out a little bit. Mm -hmm. I think that's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah. verse 10, Chaldeans answered before the king and said, There is not a man upon the earth that can show the kings this mat king's matter. Therefore, there is no king, lord, nor ruler that asks such things at any magician as or astrologer or Chaldean. This isn't even the thing kings ask of us. Right. No. We, we can't do that. We don't know what the dream was you had, so that's mm -hmm. not possible, yeah. right? <laughs> So he gets kind of mad at them, right? And he, he, he decrees that they should be killed. Um, and uh, this guy named Arioch is supposed to be the executioner. Uh -huh. um, that uh, He's supposed to... Slay them. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. and, but uh -huh. Daniel goes in and talks with him and says, Hey, let me, let me go talk to the king first, right? The context of this story, uh, I think, is applicable to our day. Just the way that we interact with the people around us and, and the leaders that we have. Uh, what else? What else in chapter 2 here would you take us to? I just love verse 16 um, when he says, Then Daniel went in and desired of the king that he would give him time and that he um, would shew the king the interpretation. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, you know, I think about Mary had seven devils in her. Is yeah. that correct? Mm -hmm. And um, the Savior said that these require fasting and prayer or yeah. time, right. you know, and sometimes... Um, we can act immediately, and sometimes we need time. Yeah. Um, Give him time, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I hadn't picked that up. That's really great. And then down in verse 17, Daniel went to his house and made the thing known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And yeah. his companions. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Yes, yeah, I love that. I love that, Isaiah, that. that Daniel's not called. They're not being called by Shadrach, <laughs> Meshach, and Abednego. Yeah, yes. yeah, that's good. But he shares that with them. It's important enough that he shares it with his friends. Yeah, his brother. Well, in eighteen, that they would desire mercies of God of heaven mm -hmm. concerning the secret mm -hmm. that Daniel and his fellow should not perish yes. with the rest of them. Right, that that they would pray together, that they maybe would fast together, mm -hmm. that they would go to the Lord and and inquire. Um, then was the secret revealed in verse 19, right? Mm -hmm. In a night vision, Daniel's given the same night vision. And he wakes up the next morning and says, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. Then in 21, he giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that are understanding. He revealeth the deep and secret things. I just think that's so cool. That, and maybe harkens back to the word of wisdom, right? That, yeah. Those secret things. It, it reminds me of Moroni 10, that by the power of the Holy Ghost, you can know the truth of all things, Yeah, right? It, it really isn't just the stuff that prophets have taught you that are confirmed by the Holy Ghost, but all things that God wants you to know or need you to know. You know, I hadn't thought about this until, you know, you hear about dreams a lot in, in this. Yeah. And and I know dreams are a part of, of everybody's life or anything, but I had an experience on my mission. Um, there, I was on my mission in Oregon and a lot of Southeast Asian refugees were there. I taught mm. mostly Cambodians for a big chunk of my mission. Mm. And there was one um, elderly man who um, had sought after truth when he was in Cambodia, just wanted to know truth. He had a dream. Mm. Uh, and Sorry, I get so emotional. Anyway, he had a dream and in that dream he saw two roses, two white roses. Mm. And he, uh, he reached up to get them, and someone told him, no, not yet, but you will know. And so um, he and his family fled Cambodia, came into Thailand, and eventually came into Oregon. Mm -hmm. And I saw my mission in Oregon. Mm -hmm. um, his nephew was a member of the church, and I hadn't told him about the church or anything, but when the sister missionaries walked in, he started blinking and blinking. And come to find out, he saw those two white roses. Wow. And he knew this is truth. Wow. Um, I wasn't one of them, but a week later I was. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was transferred into the area and was able to teach this awesome, humble Cambodian wow. man, Brother Lau. And he he brought so many people into the church. What a beautiful story. But through, yeah, yeah dreams that wow. um, the Lord will really guide us and in the way that we understand. Wow, that's really wonderful. Bar Barb, I see you as a white rose, too. Oh, <laughs> I don't <laughs> know. Into the office. I might ca I start calling you a white rose. No. Fantastic. <laughs> I love that. What a beautiful story. You know, Thank I, you. I, uh, I think visions and dreams are, how many of them led prophets out of Jerusalem, right? Right, yeah. right at the same time, mm -hmm. Lehi is led out by a dream, right? Yeah, and Joseph. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I think there's a lot of similarities in this story with yeah. Joseph of, yeah. of Egypt. Too, yeah. So. yeah. So Daniel goes in and he gets uh, Arioch to take him to the king. After he's prayed, after he's taken some time, right, 
uh, with his, his brethren. Um, and in verse 24, Therefore Daniel went in unto Arioch, whom the king had ordained to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said thus unto him, Destroy not the wise men of Babylon. Bring me in before the king, and I will show unto the king the interpretation. So take me and I'm ready. Right? He goes in and, and the king says, 26, Art thou able to make known unto me the dream which I have seen and the interpretation thereof? And I think Daniel's uh, response here, stop me if there's something you want to throw in here, but there's, I just think his response is interesting here. The secret, this is in verse 27 of chapter 2, mm -hmm. the secret which the king hath demanded cannot the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, the soothsayers, show unto the king. But there is a God in heaven that revealeth secrets and maketh known to the king Nebuchadnezzar what shall be in the latter days. Thy dream and the vision of thy head upon the bed are these. I love that. Mm -hmm. I love that he points out, and I kind of commented on that earlier, how he can't get the answers from these wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, who say there's, and, but Daniel's first, um, he gives his cre credit to God. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Not himself, because yeah. he could have. Right. He could have said it was me, but he gives all that credit to God in heaven. Well, I wonder right. if there's a lesson for us too, right? How often am I prompted to do something <laughs> and I just say, I think, uh -huh. right? right? And yeah, we right. just claim it. <laughs> it's yes. like, I know what we should do because God just taught me, right? <laughs> I, maybe there's a little lesson there. How, how frequently do we give God the credit for the thoughts and the promptings that we have? Um, yeah. well, wouldn't it, there, there's a story, that my, my daughter and I were driving down the road one day and, and a guy was walking with a gas can on the side of the road and I blew by him and the gas station was, I don't know, two blocks ahead of him and I, I wasn't really thinking about it. But I get to the stoplight and he, he's in my rearview mirror and I'm thinking, maybe I need to turn around and pick that guy up. And I blow it off, right? Mm. Keep going. And, and about halfway through the next block, my daughter, was probably nine or ten at the time, she says, Dad, I think we're supposed to go turn around and pick that guy up. Wow. And I'm like, yeah, we are. Okay. <laughs> so I turned the truck around and I went and picked him up. And, and I didn't. I didn't do what we were just talking about, right? I didn't say, my daughter and I were just driving by and feeling prompted to maybe stop and pick you up. Can we help you? But I didn't. I was like, you need a ride, right? I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> it's my idea. This is great, right? <laughs> well, it turns out, uh, I picked him up, drove him to the gas station. I waited for him. I said, I'll take you back to your car. Where's your car at? And he said, well, it's about a mile and a half away. And I said, yeah, I'm happy to, happy to drive you over there. And, and uh, in the drive over there, he's dressed in a, like, like me. He's got a suit on and he's mm -hmm. walking down the street with a gas can. And in the drive over there, he says, you know, I'm, I'm LDS, and my son is going through the temple for the first time in about a half hour. Oh, wow. And I was supposed to be there like 30 minutes ago. Oh. And uh, so yeah, I'm so grateful for the ride. And my daughter's like, we're LDS too. This is so great, right? <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, I, I, oh. I didn't even in that moment give credit where credit was due to the, to the Spirit and to our Heavenly Father for prompting that thought that was so easily could have been with another member of the church, right? Yeah. yeah. What else? What else is here? Silence is fine, by the way. I'm going to cut it out. <laughs> you just think until we get to where, uh, where we are. Where were we? <laughs> uh, well, he's... Um, by the time we get to 31, uh, Thou, O king, sawest, and behold, a great image. This great image, uh, whose so brightness was excellent, stood before thee, and the form thereof was terrible, right? Mm -hmm. Here's this, this, this man, this statue that he's seen. Um, image his head was of fine gold, the breast and his arms were of silver, his belly and his thighs were of brass, and his legs were of iron, his feet part of iron and part clay. So that's something interesting we'll get to a little later, but, but basically four different elements making this beast up, this statue up, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then, comes the stone, right? Verse 34. Mm -hmm. uh, Thou sawest till that a stone was cut out without hands, which smote the image upon his feet that were of iron and clay and break them to pieces. So that image of the stone, what's the stone? <laughs> Isn't it great? Yeah. The whole restoration and the, yeah. uh, the beauty of the, the growth of the church mm -hmm. just overflowing and this little stone that rolls forth, right? Yeah. Wonderful. It's amazing. Wonderful. Well, and just down at the bottom of 35 to um, after it, uh, well, just the, it, the great mountain yeah. and filled the whole earth. I yeah. Mean, it grew. Grew. Yeah. yeah. 
and we're a part of that. We're a part of the, the gathering yeah. and, and helping it to increase and grow. Yeah, it, it's it's fun to it's think cool. about that and and to go back and know that we have the story that Daniel tells about the coming of the restored church and yeah. and we I was reading a talk by um, President Hinckley and he's talking just about where we are and this was back in I I forget the date of the talk but a while ago and and just you look at how many temples he brought forth I, yeah and then where we are now yeah. with President mm -hmm. Nelson. We have a temple being built in um, uh, Dubai. Yeah. I mean, how amazing yeah. is that? Right. Yeah, a hundred, I think, when President uh, Hinckley passed away, he right. got, gotten us to a hundred, and we're like 300 or yeah. three hundred or three and a half hundred or something now. Yeah, just the growth is is significant, and not in many years, twenty years. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. That's a that's a lot of temples in twenty years. A lot of work being done. Yeah. But to read these scriptures about Daniel and to know that they're speaking about. Our time. We're yeah. living that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And us as members of the church yes. that God gave that opportunity to come to earth and have that, um, that we might be part of the gathering. That's mm -hmm. pretty humbling. It is. It makes me um, wonder and maybe sad for those that don't understand what this is, what this means, mm -hmm. that have to come up with alternate meanings and alternate what could this be, yeah. um, where it's so clear to us with the restored gospel and the understanding that we have uh, it's a it's a it's a blessing for sure in our lives but that comes with some responsibility responsibilities yeah. i was just <laughs> going to say that too yeah how hard yeah. are we working to do our part yeah you know and that's maybe something that's relevant to the uh, young people of the church today too is you know i was sent and maybe you were sent at, at a time to prepare them mm -hmm. right we mm -hmm. come we came we're a great generation as well um, but not what they were, not what they're called. Um, you know, the, those that will usher in the Savior and those that um, are uh, were preserved. We were preserved to come forth at the last day. I remember hearing that too, right? But, but there's something different about the youth today and the young people today and what they're told. And sometimes I wonder if um, just being told that uh, is enough in in their minds that they are that already and so they need to that's okay they're, they're they're already that and elder bednar we were in a training with elder bednar and and he put his hand to his forehead and said i'm fed up to hear with hearing the youth told how good they are mm -hmm. without teaching them how to become how good they can be mm -hmm. because they likely aren't that yet they need to be instructed and when we when we point a stick at them and say you're good live up to it we're pointing the stick right back at us that are the teachers of those youth and young adults, right? right. And I think of the gathering, and and uh, if I say to a, a group of young people, who are you gathering? They give me very general answers. Well, we're gathering children of Israel. No, but who are you gathering? And Well, God's children, yeah, okay, but who? Who are you gathering? And they, they'll just keep giving me general answers. If I say, name someone you're gathering, they draw a blank. Specifics. Right. Yeah. yeah. When when we're talking about actually doing the gathering, the work, not mm -hmm. just you've been called to do the gathering, but when we get to the detail of do the gathering, mm -hmm. uh, that, that sometimes I think we've we've taken the title, and we've said I am a gatherer, right? But we don't really gather unless it's very simple stuff, right? I think for the for example, I think. I think wonderfully, um, the other side of the veil is an easy gathering, mm -hmm. right? I go to the temple. Sure. I love the temple. <laughs> yeah. right? I do, I do family history work, which I love to do. I can do indexing, which is super easy Sunday afternoon activity, <laughs> right? And, and rightfully can claim the title of gatherer. But is, are there people around us that we should be gathering? Should I know who I'm, who I'm thinking about and who I'm working with? And should I have a name? I, I think if I was really gathering like the prophets invited, I would be gathering by name right you know i going along with that i here at the institute i see that yeah. i am amazed at um brother edward says get your head on a swivel yep. you know and i love it when i see I, I hate it when i see someone sitting alone right but i love it when someone notices them yeah. and just reaches out yeah. and is so beautiful the, these youth are their hearts are so good, yeah. and they get it. They do, they get and it. that happens a lot. Yeah. You know, you asked me at the very beginning when, when I said that my jo job is better than I thought. That's one of the things that I didn't expect was to see so much of is that gathering that yeah. takes place here. Yeah. 
whether it's people that are, who are already members of the church that may be lost, finding their way back, yeah. which is huge and so important. Yeah. Or people that are wondering. They have that wonder and walk by and they'll see our menu board with our classes yeah. out there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and come stick in. their head in. They come what, in. What is this that you do here? You guys right. have hot fresh bread. And you here? have food too. Yeah. <laughs> we do teach well, religion classes. Yeah, yeah. What a what a wonderful thing and, and maybe just a, a blanket invitation to all of you out there that are listening that are 18 to 30 years old, if you haven't been gathered at the Institute, come be gathered here, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, find, a, sure. find a flock to be with. And, you know, we, we uh, studied uh, sometime back about uh, the sheepfold, and uh, the, the sheepfold is different than the sheep herd. Mm -hmm. That the sheepfold is the, the walled encasement in, in, in where the sheep are kept at night. And that is where the Lord wants you to be gathered. And it has nothing to do with the sheep standing next to you or the, the sheep four sheeps over, right? That, that sometimes the sheep around you may not be the sheep you want to be with, but to be in the sheepfold is really important. And I think the, inst the Institute here in Boise and anywhere really is, is part of that sheepfold. It's a place to come and be gathered to uh, in the safety of the, the Savior and and where the building's been dedicated and the people that are coming in, some of them are a little crazy sometimes, right? But yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but the, generally, you can find some other sheep to be with and, well, and, and be around. What we talked about at the beginning with Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, right? and Abednego. They yeah. surrounded themselves with people. Of the other sheep. Other yeah. sheep, right? Yeah, yeah. I love that. Yeah. So Daniel so goes on and he says, that was your dream. That To me, if I was the king, that would have been enough. I'd have been yeah. like, done. Uh, whatever you say next <laughs> is fine. I'll, I'll deal with it, right? right? But then he goes on and he explains uh, what, this, what the interpretation of it is. In verse 36, he says, I'll tell you the interpretation thereof. And then he says, Thou, O king, art a king of kings, for the God of heaven hath given thee a kingdom, power and strength and glory, right? This is the Babylonian kingdom. Just some dates for you. Um, that really was kind of in charge of the area from 606 to 538 BC. And then uh, verse 38, he continues to talk about that and he says that you're effectively the head. This is the beginning of this uh, statue that you're looking at. And then 39, after thee shall arise another kingdom inferior to thee and another third kingdom of brass which shall bear rule over all the earth. So. If we, if we go and we look at the timeline, right, we've got the Babylonian uh, captivity and its rule mm -hmm. um, until 538. And then we've got Persia that comes in from 538 to 331, so 200 years of Persia's rule. And then we get the third kingdom, which is Greece. The, the Grecian rule over that area was for a really long time, 331 BC. That's, that's post, that's after Old Testament times, right? So Greece, we miss Greece in the in the history of the Bible. It's, it kind of comes in and does its thing while we're not, while we don't have prophets on the earth during the apostasy after the Old Testament. Hmm. And then we get, uh, we get the Roman Empire, the fourth kingdom shall come in uh, as strong as iron. And its dates from, from 27 BC to 1453. It was sure a, a, a beast that came in strong as iron for sure. But interestingly, um, that, that last one that was so strong, um, verse 41, Whereas thou sawest the feet and toes, part of potter's clay and part of iron, the kingdom shall be, be divided. And it was. The Eastern and Western Roman empires were really the reason that it fell. Because they couldn't, they couldn't handle things together and they just kept fighting each other and they, it fell because uh, they were definitely divided. So, so anyway, that's the interpretation just generally. So take us to uh, the latter part of this. Anything in the end of chapter 2 here, or the beginning of chapter 3, that uh, we should be looking at? Well, chapter 3 is when Nebuchadnezzar makes this big image of gold. Yeah. Which still, it makes me, I just marvel at him because I think he's so like, he's so up and down. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. he, you know, he's he sits down with them after the, he sees their countenance change and right. how different they are in the the beginning. But then he and he interprets a, he interprets a dream so detailed, yes, right? Right. And yes. then flips. And now he's like, let's build a big old <laughs> thing so that you guys can I worship it right. and and um, and he gets mad at those that don't. Right. Every time you hear the bell ring, you have to fall down and worship this image. Yeah. 
and big image. I mean, it wasn't just yes. like a, a little thing. It was three score cubits, a score being 20 feet. That would be 60 feet tall and six cubits wide. That's a, that's a three Ginormous. score. Yeah, that's a, those is a big, a big thing here. So then he learns, one of, was it one of Nebuchadnezzar's um, men tells him about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, yeah. who decide yeah. that they're not going to worship this figure. Right, yeah. the, every day that they were going to, when you hear the sounds of mm -hmm. the, it's funny how they um, say it so many times, the, the harp, the flute, the cornet, the harp, the flute, the stock, but the sultry zoltimer, that they're to bow down and, and worship. And and I love this, that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego don't. Yeah. And he, and, and he goes to him, Nebuchadnezzar goes to him and says, Do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up. Nebuchadnezzar is telling him that he's going to cast them into the burning fire, the right. fiery furnace, and because he's not worship, they aren't worshiping him. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego just answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this manner. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. Hmm. But if not, and I love that, mm -hmm. yeah. but if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Mm. And they're just so strong in their conviction and have such strong faith in God yeah. that mm -hmm. no matter what, it doesn't matter. I love how they say, He will deliver us out of thine hand, but if not, we have so much faith in God and His plan yeah. that mm -hmm. no matter what, it's going to be okay. Yeah, you can throw we're us in the furnace, and I think God could save us from that. But yeah. if He doesn't, it doesn't yeah. change the, the yeah. action that we're going to take here. It reminds me of, of uh, Abinadi mm -hmm. and how oh, Abinadi... Sure. You know, he. I don't know that he knew what the outcome of his prophesying was going to be, mm -hmm. but it didn't look good ever, probably, mm -hmm, right. to him, right? I mean, they're constantly trying to catch him, and and uh, and it didn't really matter what the outcome was. And, mm -hmm. and I think sometimes we we look at death as a thing that God didn't preserve these these men or women from, right? That, mm -hmm, right. but I don't know that that's God's biggest safety for us, right? It, right. He sees death and on earth as a way to get his kids back, right? right. It's, it's, not, yeah, it's, a, worse, it's a means to an things. end, right? To, there's worse to get things us there. than death. So I, I love that. I love that idea that that uh, they would say, but if not, mm -hmm. uh, that's such a powerful message and, and principle of prayer too, mm -hmm. right? How frequently we ask for something that uh, our, we think Heavenly Father would probably do for us, but but if we are if we are willing to say, but if not, mm -hmm. And come up with something we know God would do, right? Uh, Lori Newbold, who uh, is a uh, instructor in seminary and institute uh, down in Salt Lake, shared a story one time of uh, uh, gave an example of this and said, if uh, a young mother uh, was to pray and ask for her child that's still screaming throughout the night to sleep through the night so she could get rest. That might be something God would do, is come down and calm the child so that, uh, send the spirit to calm the child or whatever, so that she could sleep throughout the night. But better would be to ask for the thing she wants, but then to say, but if not, mm -hmm. help me have the energy I need tomorrow because I'll be tired to get through the things I need to get through. And that's yeah. something definitely God could and would do, mm -hmm. right? If I'm not going to change somebody else's agency to to help them be quiet and calm throughout the night. I definitely can help you have the capacity to get through the day that I'm asking you to get through, right? Yeah, right. So that, that principle of but if not, I think is a really mm -hmm. powerful principle in our lives. You know, something with with prayer, um, I, I think that these guys <laughs> prayed more earnestly, yeah. you know, in this time. But if not, they were going to be okay any, yeah. anyway. But there's this, a time when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, mm -hmm. And I love this, that um, it's in Luke um, 22, verse 44. And it says, And being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly. Mm. And I, you know, we can pray, but even the Savior, when the heat was on, yeah. he prayed more earnestly. Yeah. And that, that says a lot. That's helped me a yeah. lot. Is that, you know, even the Savior had to pray more earnestly in this time in need. Yeah. And then with the... Hmm. The but if not, um, there is such a sermon in this, yeah. you know. Mm -hmm. um, I was thinking back 
um, when I was <laughs> these kids' age, you know, and life went pretty smooth for me. Sure. You know, things really played out. And um, you can get so discouraged when things don't work out. Um, but my, my um, YSA years were pretty smooth. Yeah. Life went really um, the way, sorry, um, I wanted it to. And then later in my life, it fell apart. Yeah. And I had choices of how to re respond to the, the things that happened in my life. And I'm not trying to say I'm a victim or anything, sure. but things happen sometimes. And, and you do, you have choices. And I had a lot of, but if not, things happen. Mm. And um, I just want to say that when things don't work out the way you picture them, no matter what age you are, um, I know that if you hold true to your covenants, that you'll be blessed and you'll be sustained and helped along the way. Mm. Um, I just know that. Yeah, thank you. That's true for these these guys here too, right? That, that, yeah, for sure. Uh, I, I think Janet has something to say. Yeah. Oh, I was just going to, I was just going to add to that, just we all face trials, different trials through our lives, some bigger than others. And um, I found this, this talk by Elder Dennis Simmons of the 70, and he's, he talks about the but if nots too. And he says, um, he says this, and I just, I just love this, if you don't mind if I oh, read please, it. Yeah. He says, the Lord has given us agency, the right and the responsibility to decide. He tests us by allowing us to be challenged. He yeah. assures us that He will not suffer us to be tempted beyond our ability to withstand, which mm. we hear that a lot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But we must understand that great challenges make great men and women. Mm. We don't seek tribulation, but if we respond in faith, the Lord strengthens us. The but-if-nots can become remarkable blessings. Wow. Wow. That's how cool. Powerful. Yeah, how cool. You know, it, it, it reminds me that we're never living God's plan B. Right? He doesn't have a plan B. He knows exactly what's going to happen from the beginning to the end. And it's always his plan A. It's my plan D or <laughs> G or, right? It right. gets way out there for me. But if I'm willing to recognize that all of the things that happen in my life, when it falls apart, mm -hmm. right? That mm -hmm. was part of God's plan from the very beginning. As mm -hmm. sad as that is, yeah. he knew that was going to happen, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 His, his biggest objective is... To help us return to him, yeah. right? And and interestingly, we see we see the line occasionally of of how he had planned for X to happen, right? We see it in the 116 lost pages, right? We see that he had prepared Nephi to write his dad's story a little bit more <laughs> than he planned to, and he's like, I'm not sure on why I'm writing this because it's already really well written in these pages mm -hmm. that we just put in, right? But uh, but he rewrites some things, and we have hindsight now to see the line from mm -hmm. A to Z and see, oh, yeah, God did X, Y, and Z in the process, right? But in our own lives, wouldn't it be interesting and won't it be interesting to look back and see, oh, when my life fell apart there, God had put X, Y, and Z yeah. in place to help me down the road mm -hmm. and to help me get back and be stronger. These great experiences, right? Yes. That help me become like When you get as old as I am, you already start to see those kinds of things. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm even older, and I see that. You know what? But, um, just being hired here at the Institute, sure. that was one of those things, the hindsight thing that Heavenly Father knew, and He put me in a place where I needed yeah. to be, right. to, to go through. Ah, and and, and interesting, he, he put other things in motion in other people's lives so that that position becomes available for you when you need it, right? Yeah. And those people move to a different place and have a different story yeah. than what they had been living, right? And yeah. it's not his plan B ever. No. It's yeah. always his plan A. He's so good. Yeah, he is. He is. <laughs> so, good. so then, Nebuchadnezzar, full of fury and, and the form of his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore he spake and commanded that they should heat the furnace one seven times more than it was wont to be heated. Commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to cast them into the burning fiery furnace. And we know that they uh, survived that experience, right? Uh, anything in that that uh, you would want to share with us? or? Well, just that when he looked in, when they were thrown into the fiery furnace, yeah. he sees the fourth. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, they have no, and they have no hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Yeah. Yeah. In verse twenty-four, oh, now we cast we three men bound oh, yeah. into the midst of yeah. fire. They yeah. answered and said to the king, "True, O king." He answered and said, "Lo, I see four men loose, mm -hmm. walking in the midst of the fire. The form of the fourth is like unto the Son of God." Yeah. 
I love that. Yeah. Well, the fact that the king saw, that, that's mm. pretty amazing that saw Jesus Again, the king with them. sees these things happen. And, right. Yeah. It's reminding me of Isaiah um, and where Isaiah is speaking messianically of the, the Savior and, and these great, just beautiful phrases. I'm in Isaiah chapter 41. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee. And with the right hand of my righteousness, behold, all they that were incensed against thee shall be ashamed and confounded. Verse 13, fear not, I will help thee. Verse 14, fear not, thou worm Jacob, and ye men of Israel, I will help thee. And I, I just... I just think of how frequently the Lord is helping us and we don't even know it. Yeah. He's standing there right next to us in the fire and he's walking through it with us and he's he's keeping the flames at bay. Mm -hmm. And all I can see is the flames next to me, right? Yeah. They're not burning me. I just see them and I'm so upset that they're there, right? Yeah. And, uh, and I'm just safe because he's there helping me, mm -hmm. right? Sisters, this has been wonderful. We maybe have time for one more thing. And I know we didn't get clear to the end of six, but uh. is there is there something else we just can't miss? I love, um, in verse 29, at the very end here. Of chapter? Of, well, of chapter 3. 3, okay. Um, because there is no other God that can deliver thee mm. after this sort. That Nebuchadnezzar, he realizes that. Um, he realizes that that's the God that protected yeah. him. Yeah. But and I also think it's so funny that he's like, whoever messes with them, they'll sh they shall be cut into pieces. And right. the houses shall be made a dongyo. <laughs> yeah. He's right. got two sides to him, I think. But. Yeah, he's, he's, uh, he just really has a hard time um, really kind of figuring out what he believes, maybe, right? Mm -hmm. That uh, he says, uh, verse 28, Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servant. Right? He's blessing this God, mm -hmm. but it's their God, right? It's right. like, that God's great. I wish I, I wish I knew him, right? <laughs> well, why not? Why don't you get to know him, right? Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and I think maybe there's a message there, too, that, that we see God working in other people's lives, uh, but we, we sometimes fail to see the miracle on our own. Right, that, that Daniel had been sent to Nebuchadnezzar, had been given the opportunity to interpret his dream, to teach him what's going to happen in the future, um, to stand up for himself, uh, to be healthy in the, in the face of all of the stuff that the, the king had given him that would make him unhealthy. Mm -hmm. All of these things God had given Nebuchadnezzar to try to get him, to try to help him. Mm -hmm. And he never saw it for himself, he just saw it in Daniel. And he saw it as something that was valuable to him. And I wish it was true for me in my life. And he could see it and recognize it. And blessed be that God. Mm -hmm. but, uh, but Nebuchadnezzar had uh, a, a blinder on and never really saw how God was trying to help him too yeah. in the process. So there's one more thing maybe in chapter 5 uh, that I think is maybe just worth looking at. And, and uh, uh, Sister Erickson had, had pointed this out earlier. And I just want to make sure we cover it that... Um, you know, we get to chapter 5, and they, uh, there's a new king, Belshazzar is a new king, um, and the, the, the people, the princes and wives, they go in and they bring the golden vessels that were taken out of the temple. Uh, this is chapter 5, verse 3. Uh, taken out of the temple of the house of God, which was at Jerusalem. And the king and his princes, his wives, his concubines, drank in them. They drank wine and praised the gods of gold of silver and brass, of iron, of wood and of stone. And in the same hour came forth the fingers of a man's hand and wrote over against the candlestick on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the part of the hand that wrote it. Right. So he sees this hand writing something on the wall. Mm -hmm. um, but he doesn't know what it means, doesn't know what it says. And uh, he hears about Daniel. Actually, his wife, the queen, knows of Daniel, right? Right. And he, he uh, hears of Daniel. So, beautiful story. Daniel comes in and, and interprets his dream, right? Mm -hmm. But but there's something, um, Sister Erickson, that you had shared about him that I think is cool, that, that he declines some things here. Well, he's he's being offered. He says, how, Belshazzar says, um, 
you can have a chain of gold about thy neck and shall be the third rule in the kingdom. So he's given him, or he's offering him all these things. Right. And Daniel, he answers and says to the king, he says, Let thy gifts be to thyself, and give thy rewards to another. Yet I will read the writing unto the king, and make known to him the interpretation. O thou king, the most high God gave Nebuchadnezzar thy father a kingdom and a majesty and a glory and an honor. And for the majesty that he gave him, all the people, nations, and languages trembled and feared before him, whom he would slew, and whom he would have kept alive, mm. and whom he would set up, and whom he would put down. And when his heart was lifted up and his mind hardened in pride, he was dis deposed from the kingly throne, and they took his glory from him. Mm. And he was driven from the sons of men, and his heart was made like beasts, and his dwelling was with the wild asses. They fed him with grass like oxen, and his body was wet. And so he just goes on and just talks about... Uh, These gifts aren't going to help me yeah, at all. He's, yeah. like, <laughs> he's like, I don't want that. Yeah. He's like, uh, he just want, doesn't want any part of that. Yeah. Interesting. So, so then he... he he, uh, he translates this, this writing on the wall. Mm -hmm. And then, at the very end of the chapter 5 here, in that night was Belshazzar, the king of the Chaldeans, slain. After he in interprets the dream, Belshazzar clothed Daniel with scarlet, put a chain of gold about his neck, and made a proclamation concerning him. He should be the third ruler in the kingdom. So he does what he doesn't want him to do anyway, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. he does. This king still tries to, does it, just misses it, just missing the, yeah. the value that God can provide rather than the, Right. value that man provides. Mm. Sisters, thank you. This has been so fantastic. Uh, what a wonderful uh, time with you to, to look at Daniel and, and uh, just some great little vignettes of, of experiences that he had that teach us. And we didn't even get to the lion's den. I know, right? No, we it's but there we will, too, but right? I just think the whole, um, the whole uh, theme of yeah. this is letting God prevail right. in their lives, right. and they did. And um, I'm reminded of Elder Bednar's talk that we heeded them not yeah. in the most recent conference. Right. That they they didn't heed what the world was saying. They were so true to their convictions and such yeah. good examples. Beautiful. Yeah. Thank you again. Is there something in closing that you would want to say to the young people of the church that are going to hear this all over the world? Really, we've got mm -hmm. listeners in six different countries now. And so, what would you want the young people who don't even come to the doors of the Boise Institute to hear? I would say keep having the faith. Learn what faith truly is. And I think that true faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ. And once you develop that confidence and then that trust in, in Jesus Christ and you learn to follow Him, that, that that's what ultimately brings you peace. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Sister Valencia. Um, I just, I would like to say stay on the covenant path. Yeah. And I think um, part of staying on that covenant path is coming to know who is the giver of all that. And I had an experience where um, uh, there was a conference talk and a lady was emphasizing, I didn't want to listen to it because I didn't like her voice. <laughs> but that's all, yeah, so catty of me. But I know now. Anyway, she, she quoted a scripture, my, one of my favorite scriptures now. I glory in truth. I glory in plainness. I glory in my Jesus. Mm. And when uh, when she said, I glory in my Jesus, I was like, what? Um, I just thought for a minute, my Jesus, how can she do that? Sounds so Protestant or whatever. How did? But it's in the scriptures in, in yeah. um, Book of Mormon. And I pondered on that. How does she say that? Because I, when I introduce my kids to people, I say, this is my Elisha. This mm. is my Hannah. This yeah. is my Hillary. This is my Sarah. This is my Joseph. This is my Hallie. And I can say they are mine because I have put my whole life and soul into them. Mm -hmm. And I love them so much. And I thought, can I say that about Jesus? Have I put in the effort to know Him? And, and I can say, I, I can glory in my Jesus because He is mine. Mm -hmm. He is my Savior and I'm so grateful for Him. And I'm so grateful for the covenants that He has given us that um, Heavenly Father and Jesus are true to their word in their covenants. Mm -hmm. Sister Valencia, thank you. It reminds me of someday the Savior will call you His and will turn, and uh, as I was going to find it in the Doctrine and Covenants, where He turns to the Father um, and He is our advocate. It talks about Him being our advocate, right? But we always tend to stop there and think, wouldn't it be great when He's fighting for me? And he turns and he says, this is Barb, and there's all the good stuff she did, and yeah, she wasn't perfect, but, but she did all this great stuff, and, and advocating for him, right? And I think that's how we think of him, but 
in that time he will turn and say, this is Barb and she is mine. And then what he says, he says, listen to him that is the advocate with your father. And he says, remember me, Christ, and the things I have done. And he points to himself. He doesn't even point to you. He just points to himself and calls you his. Wow. And that's all. It's just being his. It's not all the things we do in life. It's not the things that, that, that uh, we were checkmarking boxes of, of works, right? Yeah, we need, to, we need to indicate that we want him to help us, that we want him to claim us. Um, but but that's, that's all, is that his grace is sufficient. When he claims us, we are his, and he argues on our behalf only as himself, not even including me and all the things I did, because it will never be enough. But everything he was, was enough. I love that. What a beautiful message. Thank you both Thanks. for being Thank with you. us today. High five. <laughs> we'll see you next time. You guys are great. <laughs>